episode two of season two of the Men Up podcast coming your way. And we are coming up on one year of being in this pandemic together. I almost can't believe that it has been a year, but it has been. We have been in this and experiencing loss, challenge, maybe even grieving a bit. Some of us are experiencing the fact that we have lost loved ones or community members that we're close to, while many of us are also experiencing just the general grief that we're feeling because of just how challenging, how much of a loss we have felt collectively. But we at the Men Up Podcast are clear that there are still things that we can learn and take with us from this challenging time related to grieving. And so that's what we are going to be focused here today on. But before we do that, you know how we like to do things here. Before the episode even starts, we've got the pep talk, ways to get us grounded, inspired, and motivated for the episode and the day ahead. So Drew, what do you have for us this week? I was watching the show WandaVision the other day. It was where Wanda was just grieving and thinking back to a lot of trauma she's experienced. And in this scene, Vision essentially was trying to comfort her. And in her grieving process, he went through this monologue. And I'm going to share the last part of the monologue. And he ends it by saying, What is grief if not love persevering? What struck me about that quote is if you break it down, we all, or many of us, know what grief looks like and feels like. That's really personal. But when you think about perseverance, it's that someone who's grieving is persisting against anything to just keep on loving the person that they lost. So I share this as a call-out, a way that we can really be there for those that are grieving. And what that looks like is constantly just reaching out and being there to sit with that person. Maybe not trying to fix it, but just sitting with them. And just that constant reminder that I'm here with you and I'm hurting with you. And I know that this can be a really vulnerable thing to do. But the key here and the call out to everyone is if grief is love persisting, then we need to persist in loving on those that are grieving. Welcome to the Men Up Podcast. I am Christian Shabu. Drew Chin. Will Van Dyke. Lamar Womble. And thank you all so much for joining us this week and every week as we dig into culture, current events, and our own events, and as we redefine manhood and masculinity so that we, however you identify, can all thrive. We like to start off this episode, this season, with something we're calling the starting lineup. So we want to make sure that you all are getting to know us a little bit better and also taking some time to get to know yourself a little bit more too. reflect a little bit. At the start of the episode here, we are going to ask a question picked at random by one of us on this team so that we can all get real, get connected and get into the game. Cue up the announcer voice because it is starting lineup time. Will you have the question for us? Okay. What would you run out of the house with? If your house caught fire, qualifiers, kids are already out, dogs or animals already out, clothes on your back, they're already included. So one other item out of your house, Lamar, throwing it over to you first. I've always had my answer for this question ready. Um, I have a big tote full of like 
notes from middle school from this girl named Kobe. I've got my yearbooks with all the different notes that people wrote in them. I've got pictures from like high school and college and right after college, I've got, you know, little plaques and memorabilia things for my life. Um, there's no question that would be, that would be the one thing that I would save. It's kind of like the one thing that has traveled with me no matter where I've been, um, New York, Nebraska, it's the one thing that goes with me everywhere, no matter what. So it would be that. I want to build off that because I literally have the same thing, Lamar. I've got this massive Tupperware looking thing that has grown in size. It's been different containers, but I've been collecting it for the last 15, 16 years. It, it probably weighs like 50 pounds by now, but it has like all sorts of artifacts in it that my hope is that one day when I'm a little bit older, I can go in and start pulling things out and have those stories to share that are of people, places, and experiences over the last lifetime. All right, Drew. I first went to a painting that my wife did. I was going to try to show you guys a picture, but um, it's four by four and it's on a heavy wooden canvas. So I don't know, honestly, if I'd be able to get it out in time. So my second thing I went to is I have a, a basketball signed by Stephen Curry, my favorite basketball player. And it's not just the fact that he signed it. It's more about the story and all the trouble that someone went through um, to get it to me. So I just want to say shout out to Brenda and um, that wonderful memory as well as shout out to Jason for making that memory happen. It's funny, you know, listening to you guys first, uh, Lamar and Shavu, I have one of those as well, like a tote like that. It's not on the list. My wife has made fun of me, not made fun of me, but like, has sort of been like, why do you save every letter, every card, every, you know, all those things? Why do you save all those and have this tote of full of that stuff? Like, you know, the little triangle footballs from high school of notes. I still have a majority of those, I think, all packed away. The only thing when I, when I picked this question that popped right into mind was anything functional jackets for the family like i'm scooping those up a hatchet that i keep in my in my closet and like a, a lantern like i'm i'm not even joking like i'm just i'm going full survival mode i couldn't think of anything outside of functional well if it's end of times or the zombie apocalypse i'm with you on the hatchet i'm taking that with me <laughs> it's good it's a good hatchet i'll just say it's a real <laughs> nice one so here in season two, uh, one of the things that we are doing is stepping back from this moment in time, this real significant challenge that we have all experienced with the pandemic and multiple crises coming together. And we're taking a step back to identify what are the things that we have learned during this time about different segments and sectors and experiences in our lives. So Lamar, I'm going to kick it over to you to get us into the game. Yeah. So um, as we think about death and aging and mourning, um, during a pandemic, but there's been a lot to learn for me. Um, I just want to start off with a quote that I heard um, at a funeral that I was attending uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, that really resonated with me. And the priest said, when you live well, you die well too. Um, and, you know, the context of this is I've had in the month of January, I had two friends uh, one from high school and then one more of a, a more current tight-knit relationship friend uh, that uh, have both passed away. Um, and and the, the, the kid that passed away from high school, uh, I was in his wedding. Uh, 
when he got married uh, way back in like 2008. Um, and so there was a, a level of closeness to, to both of these guys. Um, but the guy that I was at his funeral just a couple weeks ago um, would say later in life had become like legit one of my great friends. Um, and so going through that experience, uh, I was hit with my daughter's first birthday at the same time. And so trying to figure out how to be was very challenging during this time, like how to be happy, be excited for my daughter's first birthday as two people that I know and care about, not just like end up passing away, but like had long challenges, weeks of like being in the hospital and like in comas and not fully, you know, there. Um, and so it was just like a very challenging time on how to be emotionally. It was a new experience because I've never really had close friends die. Like I, I've never really had anybody close to me die. Um, and so to have this happen last month was really like a first time experience. Um, and so as we kind of dive into this topic, I'm interested to hear from you all about a uh, real simple question, probably age old. Are you afraid to die? Yes. Terrified. Think about it. Often enough, I think that, you know, probably, probably healthy in amount, but, you know, teetering on unhealthy amount of like, you know, because of family, I was just having a conversation about uh, this actually with my mom too, like this sort of like protective nature that I'm feeling and I'm, I'm a role that is, you know, I think valuable that would, you know, I would feel, you know, bad <laughs> if that, if, if I wasn't able to serve in that role anymore and, and those sort of things. So I think a lot of it's not, it's not really about me though. You know, that feeling of like being afraid isn't really about me personally. Shabu. Oof. Uh, I think, yeah, I think similar, what I'd build on there is the, the, the act of, of death of dying, not really scared of that. I, I think it's being scared of the unfinished business. And it's funny too, as you brought this up, like I often think about death as like, there's this sweet spot, right? That like, I want it to happen where this is ridiculous thinking about it where, you know, I want to live a long, healthy life but I also never want to get to the point where I start to be in too much of a decline and start having to rely on other people and start having to uh, impact their lives. Right. So there's this like time frame of like 70 to 75. I'm like, yeah, it'd be nice to go then. So I'm not like, so that I'm not dependent on other people or like they're not impacted too much by me. Interesting. That's so interesting to God. Drew. My answer would go from yes to no to yes. And so, yes, like originally kind of like, Will, I always thought about it. Cause I'm always like, what the heck is next? Like, what does it actually feel like? Is it just darkness? Um, so and there, it becomes no, because to your point, Lamar, I, I think I've lived well and like how I've wanted to live and how to show others that and hopefully to teach them ways to live well too. And like being your full self. So that's how I want to be remembered by. But then it goes back to yes, because to Will's point, I think it's like, I talk about this with my wife all the time. Like, I don't want to leave her and my kids and others I love. So like, it, it becomes selfish again. 
there's a, there's another reason to yes. It's a topic that I, we talked off off air a little bit about, but I have this uh, I have this thing in the back of my head that I want to I need to outlive uh, my dad uh, and be older than he is. So for the next nine years, I gotta I gotta make it. I at least you know that far, but also you know after that. I just, I see the ram, you know, the, the wake that losing a parent, you know, looks like too. So it's, it's, it's very real. And it's almost a competition now too, which fuels, fuels me in so many ways, but you know, also is like why I'm, why it's, it was a sort of an immediate yes. What's so interesting about that, Will, is, you know, I think, our dads age-wise died at a very similar age. And I remember growing up, and, and this existed well into my 20s, because my dad died at 48 and I was like 12, and his dad, so my grandfather died, very similar age dynamic. Like I think he was 48 and my dad was 11 or 12, right? There was a story that I crafted over time and kept over time that it was like, oh, it's inevitable that I'm gonna, I'm gonna die by like 48, 49, 50, right? And like, that shaped my entire experience, both around death, but also how I was living, right? And it took a long time to shift away from that. And I think, honestly, there was like, I, I don't want to say like carelessness, because I don't think I've ever been particularly like careless in my actions and things like that. But there was a, a carelessness with life in general that I was existing with, no fear of death, and like no healthy fear. And just it's a long time to reframe that. But, but it's just interesting to me that like, we have very similar experience, but our interaction with what that meant, whether it was to be in competition or to just, you know, resign ourselves to the fact that this is inevitable. I mean, it's just really interesting. What about you, Lamar? You scared of death? I think for a long time I was for a long time. Like I just couldn't, as Drew mentioned, I couldn't imagine what it would be like for it just to like go dark and for you to not exist like anymore. Um, that, that idea when I sit and really think about it, it, it still does terrify me. Like the idea of it, just like, it's creepy. Like it's a, it's a creepy feeling. Um, I would say like in the context of life though, um, one of the things that, you know, I ask coaching clients or, you know, really is a foundational question that I ask um, to a lot of people is just like, and I ask myself a lot, you know, can you unequivocally say that, like, you've done what you came to do in this life? Um, and I think for myself, like, I can honestly say, I feel like there isn't anything I haven't done. And so because of that, if I died tomorrow, like, I'm good. Um, and obviously, the only caveat to that now is having a child and a partner that obviously I want to be here and around for. So obviously that changes it. But me myself, if I die, I've got the the million dollar life insurance policy. So like, I know even if I do, like it's all good here, you know what I mean? And so beyond that, I just feel like there's nothing I haven't done to where I'm like, I don't, I literally don't have anything that I'm like, Oh man, if I, you know, I need to do this, I need to do this. It's like, nah, I've done it. So if it comes, it's given me peace around it. It's given me peace about thinking around death because I know that I've lived and I'm only 37 and I know I'm not going to die tomorrow. So, well, maybe, but 
to say you don't know that i think this the scary part about that is like sometimes when i say that i i feel like i might be living into a self-fulfilling prophecy of like oh like you know i've done everything there is to do so if i die tomorrow like am i speaking it into existence that's the only thing that kind of like freaks me out a little bit well that that's perhaps part of our reluctance right as as a society of talking about death right because like there are different societies different cultures and they deal differently with death i think you know it's pretty obvious like for ours here in the united states like there is an adversion there's a shying away from talking about death or you know i can say from my own observations or experiences there's a shying away right and it's it's interesting because i think during this time of pandemic and struggle and loss and mourning right like because death has been so present collectively I've been in more conversations around like death and grief and mourning than I have in any particular like year or chapter of my life. Right. And so it's interesting to like, think about what, what is the impact of that? It's unfortunate, man. But like, even amongst all these conversations, like the feeling, the overwhelming feeling that I get is that like life just goes on. You know what I mean? Like, and at the end of the day, like, you as an individual are like a, just a little tiny blip on the the earth's history that not saying it wasn't meaningful but people are going to move on and i think that's present in a macro perspective talking about the pandemic and how fast people are it's like oh 500,000 it's not that many like what like how can you honestly look at that and then that's the first thing out of your mouth or in your thought um and then even like in a micro it's like you know I'm wearing the hat of my boy that uh, that that passed away a couple of weeks ago, and I, I gave the eulogy at his funeral. I'm wearing his hat, but like, even still, like, here we are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I remember him, but like, life's gonna move on, and and that is like, it's understandable and it's sad all at the same time. So Lamar, I'm interested. So so you and I have both recently gone to funerals, like in person gatherings i'm interested like what what was that like for you first off like in the midst of the pandemic many folks have experienced this whether it's you know engaging in in person ceremonies or or being on zooms that it's being you know webinar to or whatever like what is that experience like for you being in person in community during this time when you lost your friend yeah i, I felt like it was necessary you know what i mean um but if if you weren't there um, I also understood that too, because this is the irony of the whole situation is that showing up to a funeral in a pandemic is literally a matter of life and death, right? Like we're, we're celebrating the life of somebody who has died, but literally if you're showing up, you're putting your life on the line to show up. That's like a mind fuck, dude. Yeah. I thought for me, it was necessary to be there. Like there was no way I wasn't going to be, but that was a choice that I made for myself. But also completely understanding if you were someone that chose not to be there, like I get it. The consideration deserves just as much credit um, and applaud as showing up. But I'm glad I went. How about you? It was wild to think that that was the first group community experience I've had in a year. There were 40, 50 people right in this in this small church that they were doing an incredible job of making sure people were distanced wearing masks like they were, they were doing everything procedurally to keep people as safe as possible but that was the first community experience i've had in a year and that 
to your point of like being a mind fuck, like that was a mind fuck for a moment, being like in the midst of all of this grief, sorrow, challenge we're experiencing, like that's the first time, right? And it, in some ways it was beautiful, right? Because like there was a, there was a celebration of uh, this young man from our school community that died. And so there's a lot there related to that and him being a young person and dying tragically and all that. But there was also a celebration of who, who the person was that it felt necessary for me to be in person for, right? It, it almost, when it was a choice between be on a Zoom or be in person, like it almost didn't feel like a choice because I knew so immediately what I needed and also like was understanding of the consequences in this moment, right? But just knew what I needed to, to grieve and to mourn and need to be in a space with people. Yeah, can, can I ask y'all all a question coming out of that response, Shabu, about mourning? Um, I, I, me personally, like this is the first time I've experienced death, like, like in my face, what does mourning look like for, for you all? Like, what does it look like? Will Shabu, when you both lost your fathers, uh, drew even for yourself and any experience that you've had, like, is this supposed to look like a thing? Because I always feel like you're supposed to cry and have like these moments. And like, sometimes I just, I don't, and I'm like, I don't know what that says about me, but just interested to hear from y'all about what your experience has been with like mourning and what you are supposed to do or not supposed to do, or, you know, how you're supposed to feel. So most of the death that I've experienced was when I was younger. So uh, to answer it, like, I don't know what mourning looks like for me now. What struck me, Shabu, is what you said is like, I needed to be there. And I just think when we're celebrating lives, like you're right, mourning looks different. Like what do you need and what do you need to do? So to not cop out, like I think for me, I need constant check-ins, even if it's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Um, I need hugs and I need a lot of reflection. And if it's someone I really care about, especially in this pandemic, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to be there. Um, and I think part of that is the story I've made up that like when I was younger, I was at funerals. And so I, I, I had that kind of, I took that event as closure. So I think that's how I'll want that to be part of my mourning process as well. I don't have a mourning personally from my dad. I was too young. I was two and a half years old. So there, there was none. It didn't exist. And because I have no memory of it. It doesn't exist really now. I, I, I look at, you know, just sort of the mourning process uh, in a couple of different ways. You know, I have a lot of friends of the Jewish faith and they sit Shiva and you, you sit and you don't do anything and you go through a process where people come and they check in on you and, you know, you do very, you know, uh that's structured is not probably not the right way but it's 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 very purposeful but then there's also just sort of what people need we were sort of dealing with a lot of traumatic moments within my family we had a you know nan pass away and sort of how we dealt with all that was uh unique i think to each family member but was um hard to equate to a standard practice of mourning given sort of in the middle of a pandemic and all this sort of thing. I think a lot of it just was like, okay, let's deal with it in our own silos. And then there was this need, this constant need to collectively come together, but can't do that. So 
was very much like, okay, like when we can, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's plan for that morning phase essentially, which sort of makes you forces you to sort of bottle some things up too. And I think that that happens a lot also just to sort of need to sort of press on. I was sitting there just the other day uh, in the church for this, for this ceremony for Brandon and the Lord's prayer comes up, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name and so on. And I'm not a particularly like practicing Christian in any sort of way, but I'm certainly spiritual, but it is Pavlovian. Like it's automatic. After those first couple lines, I just start crying. Like it is, it is on cue every single time. And I realized in that moment that it's because like that piece of the ceremony or the ceremony broadly is, is actually a piece that I need, like that, that sort of opens something up. Right. So there's that, that I think is really helpful, at least for my morning. I think a lot of it is around um, community and ceremony because you asked Lamar about, you know, my dad dying, that experience, I mean, not just the dying, but like the, the post ceremony was really traumatic the whole way through. Right. And there's a lot of baggage there as a result, right. It, it was not very ceremonious. Um, it was a moment where I felt speechless and couldn't say anything, right. Like it felt incomplete. And so now what I seek is all the opposite, right? So like I will in my mind put together a speech for whoever it is that's passed away, whether I know them really intimately and specifically or barely know them just in case I need to say something. And that doesn't mean I'm like supposed to be speaking that day or that I actually have to, but it's part of my process, right? So there's that. I think like the Lord's prayer piece is a really important piece. And then the, the sharing of stories, right? Of, of whoever that person is in that moment, right? Whatever the ceremony is, whatever the uh, practice is to, to pay respect to that person, but also beyond, right? Like I, I'm somebody that wants to be able to be in communication and, and still to this day, like try to create space to share stories about like, oh, this is who my dad was or this person or that person because, uh, yeah, I think for me, like I've just, Sarah, I have experienced a lot of death um, of people that I really care about. And so I think I've actually been able to, in a positive way, like get really clear on what are the things I need during that time. Yeah, I think one thing that, um, you know, I got present to with people that are just like on a different level of like consciousness and, um, and understanding of people um, is always the idea that, you know, when people first pass away, they get, they get flooded with like support and love. And even, you know, even for me, like, I felt like I, like I was the brother of my man, Jason, who passed away and I, or one of his brothers. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I was just kind of like, why are people, why are all these people reaching out to me? Like, like, we're not even, we're, we're like, we're not family. Like, but people were like reaching out to me, checking out me. And I was like, wow, like, this is interesting. Um, and I, and I appreciate it, but like, I was like, this is not about me. You know what I mean? So also felt uncomfortable a little bit. Um, but in the moment you get all that love and support and care and concern, but like, usually it doesn't really hit you until particularly with the family, the people that are closest to the person that passed doesn't hit you until three months, four months, five months down the road. And then what kind of support are we still giving? love, care, and concern down the road, just expecting, all right, well, three months is up now. They're over it. You know what I mean? Or it's been a month. Got to be over it now. The toughest time is by you when not necessarily, right? Maybe the toughest time is just coming up. I'm, I'm usually not the first or the second person to check in right when somebody goes through something like that. But I always try to make a mental note to be like, 
the person who checks in or asks about it a month later or like does the check-in later because some of this is is a marathon it's not a sprint and like some family uh, you know and I'm particularly my family are like descend on them immediately and and just do stuff for them just do stuff for them i'm like you know i'd i'd really like to just make sure that a month when everybody's gone now and certainly this has come up a lot more in social media too is like when that person who's past birthday pops up sometimes that's a triggering moment for some people particularly the first one those are those are really important times to just sort of do a check-in and say like hey notice you posted about this how you feeling or this that and the other thing i think those are really important moments there's a concept i've been toying a lot with or thinking a lot about and it's this idea of keeping things recent and relevant and i, and I think it applies to this and i'll tie it to like you know someone we all didn't know directly but like kobe bryant and I remember reading just this past year how his wife was like, make this about the celebration, not about how he died. And so to bring it home to like that recent irrelevant, it's like, what do you intentionally do to celebrate that person's life or honor that person's life? Whether it be to your point, Will, on birthdays um, or just in general. I realized like with Chinese New Year just happening, I was really trying to unpack like a lot of my like the Chinese culture that I learned and long story short, there are some moments where I'm like, I didn't learn enough. And then when I really focus on what I did learn, it's really special. So one of those moments is both of my, well, three out of four of my grandparents are buried in my hometown and you know, the fourth one is living. So with my living grandmother, whenever we went to celebrate and honor the, the life of my grandfather, there's this like Chinese and it's more of like a Buddhist um, ceremony you do. And you basically like, you bring like a full chicken, you bring like these little pieces of clothes, um, you bring insets and you burn it all. And cause the whole idea is like, you're having a meal, you're burning fake money and like you're wishing them well in the afterlife. And I just share all that because now thinking about it, there was just this intentionality to celebrate and honor my grandfather. Like, how do you honor what so-and-so was about? Like, so like to your friend, Jason, like, what was Jason about and how do I share that story and how do I like be that story too of like who he was? What you're talking about is like honoring legacy. Um, and that was totally something that I wanted to bring up that, you know, like I'm wearing his hat because like, this was like, this was, this, this was his brand. You know what I mean? Like this dude always had a perfectly curved build fitted hat, Milwaukee Brewers hat, huge Brewers fan. Um, and his sister let us let all his friends come to his apartment and like take whatever we wanted of his. So I, I grabbed the hat. I grabbed um, some cufflinks uh, that had his initials on them. Um, and I grabbed one of our fish fry shirts uh, that was his. Um, that was like one that was one of the originals. And so, you know, but how many people I let people do that? Like to me, that's like mind blowing to me because I was like, wow, what a cool thing to do, and um, allowing us to honor him in a different way and uh, giving us access to his things and stuff like that, which was I just thought was pretty cool. But even for everyone, doesn't everyone deserve that? You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't we be doing that for everybody? Just kind of defining their legacy and intentionally keeping their memory strong. I think, uh, and not that people don't do that. I'm sure they do. 
Uh, I think one thing my little brother does, which is cool, is um, so my grandma passed away um, maybe 10 years ago now, I think. Uh, and her birthday is February 1st. And so what he does every year on her birthday, he cooks her like the meal that she cooked for us the most, uh, which was uh, collard greens, candy yams, got to be on the plate no matter what. But he cooks it in her honor every single year. Chip in a Bottle is the official sponsor of season two of the Men Up podcast. Chip in a Bottle is a chocolate confectionery specializing in handcrafted truffles and sweet treats. I can promise you that the detailed hand painting on each piece of chocolate, the silky smoothness of the gelato, and the delicate decadence of the French macarons are unlike any dessert experience you've ever had. I especially love the Nutella milk chocolate truffle. Mmm, so good. Visit chipinabottle.com to get any of the dozens of unique flavors shipped to you or your loved ones. Chip in a Bottle is the new taste in chocolate and the official sponsor of the Men Up podcast. We have focused very specifically on whether it's like losses that we've felt or, or ways in which we've celebrated or know of people that celebrating. And like, there's something really challenging, interesting about this moment in time where like, at least our generation has never experienced the kind of like grief and mourning collectively that this past year has brought about. Right. And so, and I know for me, one of the things that was really unexpected was feeling that, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm certainly aware of, of human suffering and people suffering in our country and throughout the world, but like, I never anticipated, like there, there is at least a moment every month where like, I got to cry a little bit. I got to journal a little bit extra, like just because of just the, the tragedy of the last year. Right. And so much life lost. You brought the, you brought this point up earlier, Lamar around the pandemic, right? Like just how many people have been lost and like the scope of that number. So I'm wondering like, is there anything that we're either experiencing during this time of real like collective grief or something we're learning about like how we might want to move forward, not just as individuals, but as a, as a people, as a society. I just, I think that, you know, by nature, we are all, you know, worried about ourselves. Like it's part of the culture of America, culture of capitalism, culture of work, culture of money-making, like we got to get ourselves right. Right. And then I can worry about others, but like, I just generally feel like, yes, that is true. And what's also true is like I was saying earlier, is that like on the bigger map of the universe, like you're this big, just a little, just a little tiny. If y'all have seen the movie soul, then you know what I mean, right? That's literally what it is, right? You're just like one of a gazillion people that'll, that'll be on this earth at one day. And that like, even if you think your life is so significant, like at the end of the day, it's like, it's really not. Um, and so knowing that being armed with that, how much good can you do for others and yourself and, um, in the time that you've been given. One of the challenges going into the pandemic was convincing others to care about others, right? It was a challenge. There was, there was a, there was a sentiment that, and, you know, people are going to both sides the heck out of a statement like that, but uh, essentially, you know, a, a whole group of people said, I'm only looking out for myself in this situation and I'm not harming anybody else. 
And there is a sense of that mentality that I hope comes out of this, that we're all probably dealing with something. We're all probably touched in a way that, you know, we certainly weren't going into it and that we have a little bit of grace and a little bit of respect for each other, the feelings that we might be feeling in the morning that we might be doing, or, you know, that level of, of grief that we might be carrying with us is present probably with, with some of all of us. And I hope we just end up trying to at least emotionally care about people more than we have because i think that we're very dismissive to a certain extent and being dismissive as a culture is can become toxic what you're describing is the difference between kindness and empathy that a lot of people just don't have the capacity to get to and and i would include myself in that like maybe a year ago, two years ago. And like kindness, the idea of like generally respecting everyone and like, you know, just doing your part, like that doesn't allow us to go deep enough. Like, cause, and this is something I was sharing with um, some students last week is that like, you can be kind and still be racist. You can be kind and still be sexist. You can be kind and still uh, be anti-gay. And so my, my, our challenge is that like, we, we want to stay with just being friendly, but we actually don't want to get to know and understand someone's experience. And that is just the biggest fundamental challenge in caring about somebody else is that like, you actually just want to be kind. You want to stay surface. You don't really want to have to understand. Um, and I think that's just our biggest challenge. The answer to the question, Shabu, I think is like, how do we show up? What are others experiencing from you? Like, what do they feel because of you or with you? What are they, what do others see and hear you do? And I just thought of this as Lamar was talking, you know, life has an ending point, but pain can be endless and celebration can also be endless. And to that, it, it just matters how much we, you know, with our lives right now, choose to lean into the pain with others and to celebrate others because there's no shelf life to that. And and I just want to say a quote that you made me think of Lamar in terms of empathy. It comes from um, Abby Wambach's book, Wolfpack. And she just put, I don't know what chapter it is, but she has this quote and I thought it was awesome. She just says, if you have pain, you have empathy to offer. And so to those that are mourning or you want to mourn with them, like even if you don't know what loss is like, you can access and show up, you know, by accessing your own pain. And, you know, be curious and just be with the person. And I'll just shout out to you all. Like, this is a great episode that I needed in terms of reflection. And like, even right now, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is like reach out to someone I know that's dealt with like a lot of loss. And I've been there in moments, but it's like, how constant am I in kind of checking in? I, do, I just did the exact same exercise in my head, Drew, where I said, I'm going to set a reminders list of all the people that I want to check in with. This is something that I, my, a cousin of mine and I talked about a while back, but it was for professional purposes, like set a reminders list of all the people you want to check in with monthly that you don't have like regular meetings with and stuff like that, but for like networking purposes. But this is even better exercise for it because, you know, I can just sort of 
put it now granted does it show more if you're remembering it without being reminded that's the part that i struck i honestly am going to judge myself by not putting that not not just being like present enough i guess to like just like pick up the phone and call people that i care about but i, I need the actual prompt to be like oh yeah let's let's do it so i'm giving myself a break by saying i'm gonna i, I want to put this list together so that i just remember to do like a check-ins reminders list i think one thing i'll add too and this is uh credit to shabu and also just the meta podcast in general is um normalizing vocalizing i love you i think with my friend jason specifically like you know i, I feel a lot of peace um towards that relationship because our last interaction was legitimately us telling each other that we love each other um and i i i just feel some weird sense of peace knowing that that was communicated and so you know i've kind of leaned into this year fully saying i love you to all the people that i actually do love um and and saying that to them every time we interact um, so there's no questions about it and even if they don't say it back that's all good but uh you're gonna know how i feel about you well guys it is always powerful when we walk away from these conversations with actionable things that we're gonna do to level up to support the people in our community, support ourselves. We hope you all listening are getting the very same thing, but we wanna make sure that you do walk away with some sort of level up inspiration or resources and new insights. So for that, we have the outlet pass here, which is where we share whatever resources are supporting us in this journey. I will kick us off, you know, during this time of losing a student brings up other grief and mourning as well. And so, a practice that uh, my therapist, shout out to Jeff, brought up to me is, is the idea of writing a goodbye letter, right? And this is a very simple, can be uncomplicated exercise. You can do this on your phone. You can do it in written form. You can just do it in your head, right? But this idea of identifying who you're saying goodbye to, why you're saying goodbye, how it makes you feel, what you learn from that person or remember about that person and something that you want them to know and something that you're going to take away is a practice that doesn't have to take too long, but can bring some really valuable closure that practice is tremendous um i've had friends do that and they've come back to me and say like wow like that was that was what i needed awesome well that is it for today's episode thank you all so much for joining us we appreciate and love y'all the men up podcast is a grin and bear production the soundtrack is courtesy of mike mcginley music and visual artwork by viati design studio Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.